After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. He's got that. Uh, he's got that signature intro where he goes, "Ladies and gentlemen." So I, I don't know if I want to copy that or if I got to do something different here. No, it's up to you, man. But all right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one of the Beyond the Blade Atlantic Division miniseries, where every week, a couple times a week, we will have a new guest on who covers one of the teams that play in the Atlantic Division, all of the Sabres division rivals. Um, I am your host, Anthony Chandra. I do not have my training wheels on today. I'm sure Chad has my house wiretapped somewhere to keep an eye on me. Uh, because he cannot trust me as far as he can throw me. I don't know why he even gave me this job. Anyway, our first guest in a series of seven is Mark Allred from Black and Gold Podcast. He also writes for blackandgoldhockey.com. Mark, what is going on, man? Anthony, what's going on, dude? Thank you so much for having me on the uh, back on the program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Chad, so tell that guy that... Uh, I miss talking to him and hope everything's good with the family and, and the new additions that I recently heard to his family and hope the wife's okay. Absolutely, man. Yeah, Chad, Chad's got himself, what, a 2030 draft pick or 20? Oh, God, I'm bad at math. 2036 draft nice. pick. Nice. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, dude, thanks for coming on. Um, your Bruins killed it last year. Uh, you know, they were in a spot where Sabres fans kind of wish the Sabres would have been in the last, like, 20 years. Um, and they competed for the whole thing. So first thing I want to talk about is what they did this summer, kind of dive into that or what they didn't do, I guess. Uh, cause you know, they had a pretty uneventful, uh, postseason or off season rather, I beg your pardon. They extended Dan Heinen two years, 2.8 million. They extended Connor Clifton three years, 3 million signed a couple new guys, uh, you know, kind of on the fringe of the roster with Parland home, Maxi Magassi and Brett Ritchie. And but they didn't really lose anybody either. I mean, they lost Noel Akiari. Uh, he he's kind of like that fourth line contributor. I, I thought he did okay in the playoffs, just kind of filling in. You know, he 
the Bruins were deep, right? And he kind of helped with that depth, so to speak. Um, and Marcus Johansson, who was a, you know, a trade deadline acquisition. Um, so talk a little bit about the Bruins summer. Is, is there something that you wish they would have done? Or are you cool with the, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach? I'm kind of on the, uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of thing, because it's, it's kind of a trend for me. And I'm, I'm a trendy kind of guy that um, in the past couple of years, couple off seasons dating back they the Bruins really haven't made huge signings um they more like like took in free agents that are that are low risk low money and uh and seem to make it work and, and it's surprising because when I'm doing my predictions on uh, during the uh, beginning of the season it's tough to see where you go when you're looking at the roster on paper but uh what they do on the ice has been somewhat of amazing and and last year was just a great a great feeling to get back to the cup. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that they lost three at home and, yeah. uh, and you know, you can't, that's something you can't do. You need, and that's something that is tough to recover throughout the year, but I'm looking forward to what Bruce Cassidy, what Don Sweeney and, and, and all the signings pan out with uh, McAvoy and Carlo. So I, I, I expect the same. I don't, I don't expect the, the run that they made uh, going all the way to the cup finals, but I do expect that they'll be in the playoffs and possibly, um, you know, get close to where they were last season, hopefully win it this time. Sure. Sure. So one of the big reasons, you know, we wanted to have you on as our very first guest here is because this weekend, downtown Buffalo at Harbor center is the annual prospects challenge in which prospects from the Sabres, Devils, Bruins, and Penguins, kind of square off, you know, a little round robin tournament, so to speak. Talk to me a little bit about who, you know, is on the farm right now in Boston that kind of excites you, whether it be in Providence or deep or down, somebody who's kind of, you know, under the radar coming to this tournament this weekend. Who should Sabres fans keep an eye on if they're decide to take a little trip downtown this weekend? It's definitely highlighted by uh, Anders Bjork, Trent Frederick, um, Jakob Lauko, uh, Pavel Shen, Oscar Steen, Jack Sinica. Just that's just the forward crew right there, and those guys are ones that can really, really, you know, put on a show, um, and create some, uh, some, some really good, good plays. Um, we, uh, the Bruins do have a lot of talent, even though they're not ranked, and and the uh, the Athletics Promen, I believe, uh, does his rankings, and he, and the Bruins are always high, and I I do get it, and there's nobody really out there that like jumping right out but mm -hmm. they 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 find the uh the Bruins find players uh like this and 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 this next core that's coming through is going to be very very exciting you know obviously um Jack Sidnika is going to be you know at the front of that because he's next in line to possibly get a um a third line center role maybe second line center when David Krejci's uh on his own on his way defenseman Axel Anderson is uh he's going to Moncton uh, to start the year, I believe, after these uh, um, training camp events happen. Um, and uh, Cooper Zek and obviously uh, Yerho Vakaninen and the goalies, uh, Kyle Kaiser and um, Dan Vladar. Kaiser's, Kaiser's uh, really good. He's, he's my next – he's on the radar, so I'm sure we'll talk about him later on. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just what you said. I mean, Boston – almost historically, right, seems to always find depth through the draft. It doesn't always have to be that flashy pick, right, where, you know, teams like the Sabres 
tank a season for that, you know, facier franchise guy. Boston has just made solid picks, you know what I mean? Pretty much throughout, you know, rounds two through seven. And that, and that's kind of how they've kept cycling in these contributors, you know, deeper down on the roster who are on entry level deals. They can keep staying under the cap and keep being dominant. So I'm not surprised to hear that while you don't have one or two guys who are like those stud standouts coming down to Harbor Center this weekend, you've got a lot of depth. You've got a lot of different guys who are exciting, who maybe Sabres fans haven't heard of for that reason. They, they were lower draft picks who are, who are just kind of developing through that system. One of the things I want to talk about is two of the guys on the Sabres roster this weekend who you've actually covered, you're more familiar with. They're from, they played in the Boston area in Brandon Hickey and Casey Fitzgerald. What can you tell Sabres fans about them? Because I don't think, you know, your, your average fan has seen a whole lot of them, you know, Fitzgerald, maybe a little bit, you know, in college and, you know, in the collegiate playoffs, but for the most part, they don't get to watch them on a regular basis. Uh, let's start with Casey Fitzgerald. Um, I am Malden Catholic, a U.S. prep school member. Um, before he went to Boston College, obviously, um, and uh, going to get his uh, first full season, I believe. I don't think he only had four games with Rochester last year. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so he'll get his first year of the A, and um, I look for, for good things from him. He's a solid kid. Uh, he's got that, that Fitzgerald kind of grit, uh, but this one's on the defensive side, while, while his brother Ryan, uh, Bruins prospect, is, um, is on the forward side that uh, – unfortunately had his battles with injuries and really didn't get to express uh, his full capabilities as a prospect last year, I believe. So, uh, no, Casey's a real solid guy. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be able to jump in offensively and, and possibly be a, a shutdown, but uh, room to grow. Uh, the kid's young, so he can bulk up and, uh, and muscle up and do whatever he's got to do. But um, I, I enjoyed watching him. I didn't spend a ton of time watching. I bet I just do the college hockey things, but, uh, I've seen a bunch of games on like um, hockey TV that I kind of tune in and watch his game, but it is, he's been good to uh, progress. Uh, Brandon Hickey, um, just uh, just from what I've seen at Boston, at Boston University, um, I don't know him that much. I know he's uh, from Canada, I, I believe out west in Alberta, Saskatchewan. But um, okay. yeah, I mean, he's, an, he's another solid defenseman that I really enjoyed watching. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's about it for me on those two guys. Sure. Yeah. What, what's what's kind of interesting about uh, both of them actually is uh, Sean Tierney. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar. He, he's with absolutely. Uh, Char- yeah. Okay. Oh, of the course, guy's yeah. amazing with the numbers, man. Oh my god, he, he's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I hate math, but I find all <laughs> of, I find all that work so intriguing. I really do. It's like I really want to learn, but I'm just like I was never into the whole math thing, so. I get you. You know what? I was bad at it in school and I ended up having that as a career. So I, yeah, but you're right. This, this kind of stuff, you know, when I first started writing and covering it, I, I was completely, you know, a noob at it, which, you know, I can, in, in terms of, you know, comparing myself to Sean, I'm, I'm very much a noob, right? But he's yeah, but got... Actually, it, it, when you're writing, I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 please. When you're, when you're writing articles, in my opinion, and I don't, I, I, I have to do it more, but I really want to incorporate that other angle. So you bring your point, and then you bring multiple angles, mm-hmm. and it, which includes the analytics and everything. Like, because that guy, those guys out there that do all that stuff, are really working hard and putting their minds to a to a good cause. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when I first started at Die by the Blade, I made that a focus to try and incorporate 
more analytics right into my writing and justify what I was seeing with analytics or prove myself wrong. You know what I mean? It, it can do that too. So yeah, it's, it's real interesting stuff, but uh, back to Fitzgerald and Hickey real quick. He's got a prospect pool kind of by position chart going on. It basically gives an average rating there. It almost gives a, a propensity for them to be successful in the NHL. Right. And both of those guys actually appear in the top four you know, in the Sabres um, defensive depth in the organization, not including guys who are, you know, roster regulars, but they both appear ahead of guys like Will Borgen, Matias Samuelson. I mean, some of the bigger name prospects who, you know, I think that surprised a lot of people. So uh, Fitzgerald in particular, I'm going to be keeping a particular eye on this weekend because uh, both of those guys have kind of flown under the radar, but they've got a shot. Yeah. I'm same here. I can't wait to, um, hopefully these games are streamed because I'm not, I was, they yeah. will be. Oh, great. great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I think the Sabres Facebook, uh, it's going to be. And then also, I think it's right on Sabres.com for uh, people outside of the local area. So, yeah, you'll be able to catch it there. Awesome. Oh, I love it. So, back to your Bruins. That's why we're here. We're here to talk about the black and gold. Who is your surprise breakout candidate this season? That might be a little bit tough of a question because I think when a team goes so deep in the playoffs, right, every – I guess perpetual hockey fan out there, right? Everyone who watches with any regularity that they know the roster, right? Like I I'm more familiar with the Bruins than any other of our division rivals because of how deep they went in the playoffs. But is there a guy to you who doesn't get the appreciation or, or you feel is going to break out this year and, and really put himself on the map? I, I, and, and I really didn't do my homework on this one, but the only one that gravitates is, is, is Danton Heinen. I just, I think he's got a really good two-way game for wherever he can be placed because he's just that, you know, he can play the left side. He, he can do, yeah, he can play the center draw and, and he can also play uh, the right side, left and right. So he's a very versatile player. Um, I just, I wish he could just find some consistency on the line instead of getting shuffled all around because I think that's his biggest, biggest problem is when he has to move around, he has to adjust and, and get ready. So, uh, with some familiarity and some chemistry, I, I think uh, he could, you know, be a breakout kind of type of player. And, you know, as a second, I would like really want to see DeBrus do well, but I, I also don't want to see him do well because his value will just shoot right up. <laughs> and the Bruins right now are going, and as many hockey fans know, the Bruins right now are just going through a cap crunch, and which means that we are un, unable to sign Carlo McAvoy, as previously mentioned, but. I think this is going to happen the same time next season. I think these RFAs are holding out a little longer than expected. Well, mm-hmm. What we'd like to see them do, you know what I mean? Sure. We want to see them sign as soon as possible. Uh, I believe in the Custance article I read on The Athletic that this could be a regular thing, that they wait till the absolute minute. So prepare yourself for it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it is what it is. But it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really cool thing to to you know, try to dive into what the management is thinking and, and how to construct a roster that's going to be competitive on the regular. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Dan Hyden, you know, I mean, his, his price tag wasn't that crazy. I mean, two years, 2.8 million uh, average value, right? That's one of those guys. He's like that quintessential Bruins depth guy, right? Who, who they get, you know, is a little less expensive, but explosive in what he does. I mean, if you're looking at his shot rates, you know, another Sean Tierney, Hallmark, um, during the playoffs, he was one of the Bruins' best shooters, both for and against. So his his aggregate 
kind of skill level there is, is I think undervalued. And actually it was funny when I, when I wrote that question out that I was going to ask, I was thinking about it myself, who would I say? And Heinen w- would have been my guy as well. So oh, nice. yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think, uh, I think he's tough to say you've got a favorite player on a division rival, but he is one of my favorite players in the Atlantic who doesn't wear blue and gold. The only, the, there's a couple knocks I have on him. Cause I'm, sure. I, mean, I mean, he's still a good player, but I just think that he was taken out uh, of college just one year too short mm. i think you know then he could have came into the the nhl and had a better i mean his first 12 games were not very well and not very good at all and then you know that and time goes on but he's learned the speed factor and and the way to uh possess the puck with speed i know that a lot of people don't uh see certain things they just see point totals right you know they they navigate to that all the time, but there's so many other aspects of a hockey player's game that can't be undervalued. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and, it, is, and it is. It is two way game is so strong, it really is. And, mm-hmm. But uh, no, he's just, he's just one of those players that um, when you in that two way game, you just you want like a player like Patrice Bergeron to like boil this guy with information, <laughs> you know, just soak it all in. And that possibly might be why that this this uh, deal came. And I get what Bruins fans are gonna say because I'm gonna share the crap out of this out of this episode on my <laughs> end too. So appreciate but it. If, if you no, absolutely, you guys do a great job. Um, if you if you take it down to numbers and so on, would I rather have Einan or that 2.5 go to retaining Carlo and McAvoy? My my money is gonna go on the business side and say. I, I need my defensive core. I mean, two, I mean, two guys that are huge right now. It's not mm-hmm. are not on the roster yet because of contract. So I would definitely go. And I understand. I understand the hatred that uh, it, it had. And he signed. It's like, oh, my God, you signed this guy. But those defensemen aren't signed yet. So I think, uh, you know, it's like you said, he brings extra elements that – yeah, 34 points in 77 games isn't going to jump off the page at you, but he does so much more than that, right? Yep. The Someone brought up something kind of funny, and, and in, in the information age, there, there's no feasible way that this would ever work, but someone said, I wish that point totals weren't available for fans to see online so you can actually watch a game and, and determine a guy's value without you know let, letting points dictate it. Because I'm going to tell you something, points are the only reason Sabres fan. there are Sabres fans out there who still believe Rasmus Ristolainen is a first-pairing defenseman. Right. It, 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 it's, it skews your judgment a little bit in that regard where, you know, I think, like you said, that, that kind of utility portion of the game tends to get ignored. So one of the things, and, you know, I, I've, I follow, you know, a lot of Bruins people, you in particular, um, but, I, you know, I follow Marissa and Jemmy from uh, Boston Herald, she's Sarah great. Sivian, who used to write for the Bruins. She yep, writes awesome. for the uh, Hurricanes now. Still she, she, she's still awesome, even though she covers a bunch of jerks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I, I do that with most of the division rivals, and I kind of lurk on conversations for with Bruins fans kind of before a game, just kind of see like what they're thinking, what's going on with their team. One of the things I see so frequently, and, and it's in my opinion, from what I, from what I'm looking at is the most debated thing that Bruins fans talk about on Twitter is the goalies are the goalies. Tugarask had a magnificent postseason run. One of my favorite postseason runs by a goalie. Had they won it all, it would have been one of the best goaltending performances in a playoff maybe ever. Do you think 
that he can kind of a pick up where he left off because he did he didn't have an awesome regular season. Or does Yaroslav Halak have a chance to take his starting role from him? We, we talked about this on a previous episode of the Black and Gold Hockey podcast, and and the, this I'm a trendy guy, like I mentioned. It's it's um if you look at Tuka Rask and 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 his game to game stats, um he does not he's not started the year off well at all. Uh, it's almost like, and I am paraphrasing here. You know, it's almost like he's not completely showing up, and I know. Some Bruins fans are going to love when I'm trashing on him by saying that, but <laughs> I don't know if it's because he's getting older or anything like that, or just the workload. Um, but it, the beginnings of the years are not good. And that's when like a player like last season, uh, Yaroslav Halak and, and previously Anton Hudobin, um, you know, kind of carried the load until he kind of came into, uh, you know, training camp form, uh, which was, late November or December and so on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that it, with this long run that he just had, I think that the, the Boston Bruins should definitely uh, take advantage of the last season of Yaroslav Halak. He's, he's been a proven goaltender in the past. Um, I'm not sure about, you know, what kind of workload the, the bees would, would be, you know, would entertain with him. Um, but, if if Ras isn't doing it, you have to go with a hot hand, and you can, and there's no excuses uh, when it comes to that. But after January, I just think that that kind of changes. That hey, it's either wake up or we're gonna make a run with another guy. You know, so we'll see what happens. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It almost seems like uh, you know the star goaltender. It's it's like a what have you done for me lately kind of thing, right? Where it almost seems like as soon as Rask starts struggling, all the haters come out, even though, I mean, he's been just, in my opinion, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? I mean, for sure. I mean, look at the years that, that you guys had. I, I'm sure you're a young man. I mean, do you remember all the, the Martin B. Rons? And of course. Ron's yeah. Yeah. Frustrating years. And, and, you know, I mean, you guys had Hassock I and mean, that guy was like amazing. Absolutely amazing. But you know, and it goes up to like Robin Liner. I mean, great story and everything, but just just couldn't get it together. You know, at, at the right when the when the Sabers needed them. So sure, hopefully that gets straightened out too. It's like Philadelphia too. I, I'm seriously pulling for Carter Hart. I you know I, I actually want them to have good goaltending. They haven't got any good goaltending since Ron Hextall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. That's true. All right, we are gonna take a quick break uh, and. When we get back, we are going to talk about a couple things, uh, one of which is can the Bruins compete for the Atlantic Division crown? Can they unseat the mighty, or maybe not so mighty, Tampa Bay Lightning, who got their butts whooped by Columbus in the first round of the playoffs? And we're going to talk a little bit about some Sabre stuff and close out the episode with a few little more lighthearted questions for Mark. So stick around. We will be right back. I remember I used to have a history teacher back at UCLA who said to us that there were times when you could feel the fist of history tightening around you. I've always thought about that. She was talking not long after 9-11, but this is another one of those moments. It is a hinge moment in the American democratic experiment. The entire globe is being battered by the coronavirus. We are dealing with some of our oldest wounds in this country on top of entirely new technologies. Like It is a crazy time. I'm Ezra Klein, host of the Ezra Klein Show podcast, and what we're trying to do right now 
is understand our time and try to find some of the ideas that might help us chart a way out of it. In the past few months, we've talked to Tanasi Coates about why the protests have made him actually hopeful, to Mariana Mazzucato about the ways in which the economics profession has misunderstood the concept and mismeasured the concept of value to Elizabeth Warren about her plan to combat the coronavirus, to Ross Douthat about whether or not American societies become decadent. These have all been great conversations and there are so many more. Um, I hope you'll join me every Monday and Thursday to stay informed and maybe we get a sense of hope as well. Subscribe to The Ezra Klein Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. All right, welcome back to episode one of the Beyond the Blade Atlantic Division miniseries. Mark Allred, Black and Gold Podcast, blackandgoldhockey.com. He's been talking to us a little bit about the Bruins coming up in the system, who to watch for at Harbor Center this weekend, the Bruins offseason, goaltending situation, whole bunch of stuff. So let's get into the big question I have because I was one of the few people last year, silly me, who at the beginning of the season, I had the Bruins winning the division. Despite the fact that they went much further than the Lightning in the playoffs, the Lightning were the division champs by a long shot. I believe it was by 21 points. So do you feel that the Bruins are positioned to compete with them for the crown? Or do you think that it's Tampa and then the Bruins are going to be duking it out with Toronto for number two? It's, uh, it's, it's so tough for me, but um, I mean, Tampa Bay's an absolute rocket of a team. They really are. It's like that year that they have, I hopefully, and you know, not hopefully, but if they can do that again, I, it, it, you can give that, just hand it to them. But hopefully there's a team out there that's a little hungrier, like the, like Columbus was in the playoffs, and, and just take the wind right out of their sails. But to be honest, Anthony, I, I just think that this whole – and I, I hope I'm not going off on a tangent here, but I just Do think it. this whole – That's what we're all about, man. We're I all did. about – this is my show, okay? <laughs> there's, there's no Chad to referee this. Tangents are what we do. I just think that the, the whole wild card system and the playoff system is just – I don't like it. And I, I don't mean, either. Because it, it's all, you're always going to have this, 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 and this. I really hate when the NHL took this idea for football. It's like, hockey, think on your own. You can do it. You know what I mean? Don't take things from other sports and just leave the 1-8-2-7. Oh, it's just, I just think that it, it'll separate all this clutter of seeing Toronto in the first round all the time. Teams like, like Tampa Bay leading the way. And I'm not sure if anything could happen that would deter that, but I just kind of see the same thing panning out and I, and it sucks, but hopefully with a different path for my Bruins anyway. So I guess the last thing I kind of want to ask is, is there anything that you feel or a storyline you feel is going to kind of almost be like the, the, the defining storyline of the Bruins season? Is there, is there anything that you think is going to kind of, direct the course of where they go this year or are you just kind of satisfied like we kind of you know alluded to before ain't broke don't fix it keep doing what they're doing or do you see any kind of major changes anything that you think can give them that little bit of edge 
I mean, obviously it comes down to the sign, the RFA signings that are going to need to happen. But uh, when it comes down to like the trade deadline and so on, if they're, if they're close to it and they need a piece, they shouldn't back away from uh, pulling a trigger. If they, you know, if they're going to, there's a window and I understand that. And sometimes I just don't believe it, but the window is closing on certain players. So if there's an, if there's an addition that needs to be made for that long run, I'd say you pull the trigger. But awesome. everything, the cap's going to dictate that, you know what I mean? And it's going to be difficult next season, too, with, with DeBrusque and Coyle. I, I know there's a, you know, a lot of people that love Coyle, and he's really changing that third line. Um, you know, he should stick around. But there's, he gets Krug coming up. It's, it's, it's just going to be another nightmare uh, when it comes to uh, cap manager. One of the last couple of things I want to talk about, obviously the Bruins didn't lose too much this offseason, but one of the guys who expectedly – hit free agency and signed elsewhere is Marcus Johansson. And that elsewhere is Western New York. So I know he was only in Boston for a short stint. You know, he played, I thought pretty well in the playoffs. What did you see from Marcus Johansson? What are Sabres fans kind of getting with a guy who he could play anywhere from first line to third line on this roster. It's really unknown how Ralph Kruger is going to deploy him. What did you like about him? Maybe what didn't you like? What do you see in that acquisition? I really liked him with David Krejci on the second line uh, during the regular season when they had opportunities to hook up um, and uh, and definitely on the third line. I mean, he was just another and he could play the right and left side, which was really, really a good tool uh, to move him around the lineup. But uh, Buffalo's got a good player coming along and and, you know, he. Uh, <laughs> that forward that forward lineup, in my opinion, is going to be going to be scary. I think you. I think you guys have a chance to seriously make the playoffs this season, which is which is awesome for you guys. You just earned so many Sabres followers. Well, I so I'm, many. I'm just a huge fan of the of the the growth of the game in Buffalo. It, Buffalo is now is just becoming like a really hotbed for not only the prospects and not only you know the OHL is so close by and and all that hype and everything like that, which is awesome. I watch a ton of that hockey too. But I mean that area is just a is a hockey hotbed, and it and it's and isn't it weird? And I'm I'm probably gonna get some really serious followers when I say that, but it's almost like trending like the hockey hotbed of Canada, Toronto, just a little further north, is like sliding slowly down under the border into Buffalo, in my opinion. Just saying, you know what I mean? Oh my God. Can, can I, you know when when I when I edit this later, I might put in just like a or, or when Chad edits, edits it, I should say we might just put in a round of applause there. Just you know, <laughs> pretend I have like a studio audience in the background here. No, yeah, yeah that, I like I love what what that area is doing and just the build up of the game and you know this prospect challenge is important and I will get there. I will get there next season. No excuses. No more surprise vacations uh, that I was told to you know, stay away from. I'm married, so. <laughs> it, was a, it was a thing and i'm like well, i'm going to the prospect challenge like well, you might want to think uh elsewhere and i'm like why she's like i can't tell you and it's like and it came down to it and i was like i'm going to buffalo and she's like no i plan to get away and i was like i'm not going to buffalo to sunny buffalo new york i know it's all good though no that's great yeah i mean uh you know when it's almost talked about in jest a little bit where when Terry Pagula bought the team. I forget if it was him or Ted Black, to be honest with you. 
said Buffalo was going to be hockey heaven, right? That that was a big thing. And everyone kind of like says it in jest after the Sabres lose like five in a row, like welcome to hockey heaven, everybody. Um, but, you know, they, they actually have done just a ton of development of, of especially the area, you know, the arena district downtown. You know, they did Harbor Center, which, you know, w- was a freaking parking lot uh, before they started it. And, you know, like you said, now they host the Prospects Challenge. We, we've become the Indianapolis of the NFL where we host the Combine every year. I mean, it, it yep. really is just such a big hockey town. And it, it, it's almost tough because, I, I, you know, I think I was just starting high school the last time the Sabres were good, good, right? Like 05, 06, 06, 07. And being downtown, and that was before, you know, any of that development took place. But Buffalo was as rust belt and kind of, you know, down at that point as as it ever got. The the entire city was electric. And just with all the amenities now, all the development, I think everybody is just hurting so bad to see that again. That I think that's where a lot of the Sabres fans' frustration come in, where they're they're kind of overlooking all the great stuff that's going on, and you know, letting it cloud get clouded by you know the fact that they can't put a winning product on the ice, so it's not right. as enjoyable, right? Right. When when now is always going to trump anything in any fan base. Sure. It's it, you know there's there's no patience at all. I see it in, in Boston, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just sometimes people can get just a little crazy about it. So sure, but you know it's it's hockey. It's, it's, it's the love of the game. It's nowadays as the game grows, everything else is growing. So your facilities have to get better. You know, I mean, the Bruins Mm -hmm. went from a a tin shack in Wilmington, Massachusetts (laughs) for 35 years to the Taj Mahal, basically in Brighton, Massachusetts, the warrior ice arena and the upgrades have just been absolutely amazing. So, I mean, just exciting stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I actually uh, w- I was on Twitter just watching a video. I think it was last season of, of just, you know, I think it might have been uh, training camp or whatever was going on there. And uh, it reminded me a lot of Harbor Center. I mean, it's the same, same basic deal, you know, kind of state-of-the-art facility. And, it, you know, it, it's good to see a smaller city like Buffalo kind of be able to keep up with that kind of stuff where you look at the NFL where the Bills, yeah, they've made upgrades, but, like, you can tell they're, they're like, you know, B-League. In, in that respect, right? Where you see Atlanta's new stadium and, and, and Dallas's stadium. And it's just like, well, the Ralph is great. You know what I mean? It's got, it's got a lot of character, but like, man, it, it's, it's hurting hard on the amenities, right. but the Sabres have kept up a little better in that regard. And I think, you know, bills are going to be making changes, maybe a new stadium, maybe just maybe downtown would be way better than the middle of nowhere. Orchard park. Sorry. I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying that because you can't tailgate downtown. Okay. Anyway, so, <laughs> well, listen, if they unfollow you and follow me, it all works. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's all going to the same place. We're all friends. You combine your 4,500 followers with my 2,000. We'll just call it even. <laughs> Split them 50-50. Oh, man. Oh, anyway. All right, Mark. Is there anything that you want to leave Bruins fans, Sabres fans, hockey fans with before we peace out here? I don't, not much. I just, I'm excited about the, uh, the upcoming year. I'm excited about, uh, I'm a big prospects guy. So I, I watch a ton of, um, uh, American hockey league Providence Bruins. So I would definitely be paying attention to the Providence Rochester, uh, games. I know there's not many. I wish, I mean, it, oh my God, this is another thing. It's like Providence and Rochester are so close, but they've only played each other. What? Four times mm-hmm. you play, you play Bridgeport 12 times. 
That makes absolutely no sense. We, like, we play Bridgeport and Lavelle like a hundred times in a year. Like every time I look at the schedule, I'm like, we're playing Lavelle again. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's maddening, but I get it because it's, it's, it's money. It's travel time. It's keep the guys on the ice skating at all times. I get it, but it sucks. I mean, I want to see more of the, uh, you know, whatever, but anyway, uh, looking forward to obviously watching Bruins, uh, and Buffalo games and, and listening to you guys. You guys do a fantastic job on the podcast, listen to you at work all the time. So uh, keep up the awesome Buffalo Sabres updates. And yeah, that's about it. I mean, I could be found uh, at Black and Gold 277. I uh, own and operate blackandgoldhockey.com. And yeah, we're going to have a blast this year. I guarantee it. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. The, the feeling is definitely mutual. Uh, obviously, we're big supporters of the Black and Gold podcast. So when we were talking for this, one last quick thing, we were, we were talking about the name and, and on the kind of outline I sent you, I put the Black and Gold podcast. It's just a, just a, you know, phonetical error on my end. What is the N? What does the N stand for? All right. So a lot of people would get in touch with me as like, I can't find your pod. And I was like, yeah, it's right there. And then, and they think that the N is like, and but it's <laughs> not, it's not, but you know, it's, it's, it's black, the letter N apostrophe and then gold, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's like black and blue. Can you hear that in my Boston accent? You I love it. Yeah. The and it's black and black and you know what I mean? So it's just, it just flows like that. That's, that's, that's Boston. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Milan Lucic uh, was, was leaving one of these sabers black and blue in that uh, gif I posted promoting <laughs> this episode. I, I, it was so funny. Nobody, nobody cared about the episode. They just commented like, why did you pick a gif of the sabers guy getting his ass beat? It's like, I, there weren't many good ones. We don't win a lot against Lucic, man. Me and my wife were at the uh, uh, Hampton, New Hampshire driving range. And that popped up as I'm sitting there just taking a little <laughs> swig of water. I pop up and I was like, oh, I took this out. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you know, really appreciate you taking the time to talk about your Boston Bruins upcoming prospects challenge, which I'm sure will be fantastic, among other things. Um, like Mark said before, you can find him on Twitter at black and gold two seven seven, and you can find his podcast on Twitter at black N gold pod. Thanks again for coming on, man. Thank you for joining us on episode one of the Atlantic division mini series on beyond the blade, also known as Atlantic at the disco. Sorry, Chad hashtag. Sorry, not sorry. I am Anthony Chandra. This has been Mark Allred. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will catch you on episode two. We'll be announcing our guest for episode two in the coming days, so stay tuned for that. Give you a clue, you might want to pack some swim trunks. That's all for me. Thanks a lot. See ya. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 